This Choircast podcast is brought to you by Holy Heretics, the post-evangelical podcast where being labeled a heretic is a good thing. We're starting conversations about God, politics, Christian nationalism, sexuality, gender, spiritual abuse, faith deconstruction, and how to recover from evangelicalism. Nothing is off-limits in our conversations with scholars, activists, and writers in our quest to find a freer faith. Listen wherever you get your podcast or check us out at sophiasociety.org slash podcast. Welcome to Honoring the Journey. I'm Leslie Neese, one of your hosts, along with my friend Karen Schock, two midlife mamas of adult kids who've been through deconstruction, actually still going through it. We're going to be discussing all things faith and deconstruction. We're going to chat with guests who've had faith journeys that are beautiful, worthy of honor and exploring. And we're going to dive into different faith practices, ideas, and ways to connect with the divine without the religious baggage. Both Karen and my faith journeys are evolving, and they're filled with curiosity and a willingness to explore all things. Thank you so much for journeying with us here on Honoring the Journey. Welcome back to Honoring the Journey. I'm Leslie Neese here with my friend Karen Schock, and we are honoring the journey of an amazing soul, like somebody who I recently met because I was on her podcast. And I immediately said, oh my gosh, Karen, we have to have these ladies. Well, we, we have you on now, Esther, but then we're going to also have your co-host on in a couple of weeks. And I'm so excited because the conversation that we had with them or the conversation that I had with them was so rich and so amazing. And I know you're going to enjoy Esther Getz's journey. Uh, we're going to be able to honor it today. But let me tell you just a little bit about her, what I know anyway. She is one of the co-hosts of Deconstructing Mamas, which is a uh, podcast that I found during my deconstruction and immediately was like, oh my gosh, I love this. This is, it's hard. And Karen and and Esther, you're both going to agree with me here. I know you are. It's hard to find people our age who are going through this. I thought, am I just going to be friends with millennials for the rest of my life? (laughs) Not that that's bad. I love them. I, I have a couple of them myself, but- it's just so nice to hear voices that are going through what I'm going through, who are my age, who are in my stage of life. And um, so anyway, she is the co-host of Deconstructing Mamas, which is great. I highly recommend. Uh, and then also she is Esther the Dolly Mama on Instagram mm-hmm. and Moms of Bigs. And she is a budding spiritual director. And I'm, I cannot wait to hear more about this because I think this sounds super cool. Esther gets welcome to Honoring the Journey. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me on. I've been looking forward to this conversation for the last few weeks. I don't go on too many podcasts because I'm so busy doing my own, Uh, but I love to talk and I really feel that it's so powerful for us to share our stories and to honor their, honor each other's journeys. Yeah, actually the whole reason I'm becoming a spiritual director. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. I want to hear more about this. Yeah. So um, it feels like, well, here I am, our age. We'll just say our age. <laughs> and Midlife. my kids are kind of grownish and flownish. And I use that term all the time to talk about them because oh yesterday I had a phone call from each one of them. So <laughs> that's, and I have four uh, in their 20s and actually, well, I guess two right now at the very early 30s. So um I did my job raising my kids and I felt very strongly about them becoming themselves and being allowed to becoming, become themselves completely. And then I found myself adopting a lot of other people in my (laughs) life. I mean, I've always done that. And I felt really passionate about them having, becoming themselves. Yeah. And so I decided to, because it sort of fits all of my boxes. It checks all of my boxes, my mothering heart, my uh, fascination with the spiritual journey. And then also um, just my love for people and their stories that I thought, well, why don't I become a spiritual director? Because as we call ourselves in our spiritual direction program, we call ourselves spiritual midwives. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. And so we're not telling anybody what to do. We're not 
I don't, we don't even like the word direct director. We prefer the word companion. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That we're coming alongside of you. And I'm binge watching Call the Midwife with my husband. We've been doing it for like a bunch of months. And I've learned so much there about spiritual direction practice from those midwives that mm-hmm. basically you're like, there with them, they're birthing something. It's not your, you're not birthing anybody. It's not your baby. They're birthing themselves, which we like to say. And uh, we're there to say, hey, maybe you could push. What about breathing through it? This is the time maybe you could, um, you know, lean into somebody else. I'm holding your hand, but it's your journey. I I can't do anything for your journey other than witness it and cheer you on, root for you, and then maybe, you know, catch the baby on the other <laughs> side. So it doesn't fall in you. his head. And then yeah. hand it right back to you yeah. for you to nurse it. Oh. Yeah. And care for it. Esther, I can't even tell you how much I love that. Cause I, I actually have a story that I wrote in my book that I'm writing about how I have felt. And I didn't even know this at the time about spiritual direction. I felt like my deconstruction was kind of like a birthing process. Oh yeah. Like I was really reluctant. I didn't want to be born into it. I was like, I was, I'm fine right where I'm at. Thank you very much. Everything makes sense. I have all the answers. All I got to do is read it in the Bible. Everything is great. And then all of a sudden the contractions started and that's called questions (laughs) and doubts. And then they just got closer together. And then finally, like whoever's giving birth to me, which I'm realizing was myself was like in transition and there was no stopping it. Yeah. And, and then just like when you're in the, in the womb and you're like, this is perfect. This is great. This is where I want to be. I feel safe being born into this new reality, seeing how big the world is and how I was so stifled and so unable to move and so restricted and so many rules and religion and all of that being born out of that has been freeing, but terrifying. So what you're telling me, a spiritual director will come alongside me in that process. Yeah. And then calling yourself a midwife. This is like crazy. I love it. I know. I love that. There's all kinds of verbiage around spiritual direction, but the spiritual midwife is my, my, the one I'm kind of taking personally on that, that makes the most sense to me, you know, like it just feels like everybody resonates midwife. you get it. And, and there's something not sterile about it. You know, something maternal about it, something too. maternal, something, yeah, that's like almost mystical and magical. The birthing mm. process, right? Is I mean, we've all done it, I think, and it, it is. Yeah. It's some kind of mystery that you, we cannot understand, no matter how much science is around it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's so, so true. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm excited to see where this goes. So, like, as a so what is the p- kind of person that would come to you? Is this somebody who's in a transition or? I thought a lot of times, and we've talked about this in our um, intensives is uh, I think Carl Jung or maybe, maybe it's Carl Jung. Somebody talks about the beginning of the hero's journey. It's like the, uh, you know, the odyssey, right? You're kind of beginning the process of finding who you are, discarding maybe who the world has told you to be. And discovering who you are. Um, we have so many voices that have come at us. For me, it was mostly a high control religion yeah. that told me who and what to be. But there was also other voices, right? Education, all those systems out there, right? The education system said you have to be smart. You have to perform. You have to do. Um, uh, even family I mean, even in my family, even voices that came at me of like, this is what you need to be a good wife, a good mother. There's now new voices that I didn't necessarily have of social media or, I mean, that's a huge one in people's lives. Podcasts like the one we're doing now, all those external voices that just preach at us from the moment we're born. Yeah. You know, just start getting into us. And I think that the kind of person that, comes to me perhaps is like their little voice inside is starting to say "Hmm, who am I before the world told me who to be wow right an internal Mm -hmm. voice that can't be hushed any longer oh girl can't be quieted anymore right it's like Hmm. And and sometimes it happens in midlife, but I think what we're watching in the millennials and even the Gen Z, because they've Mm -hmm. had permission to question and ask, 
they're asking this question a lot sooner. And she's just so, so happy for them. Wonderful. <laughs> so like, to be honest with you, um, my practice is just beginning, but I've been doing this. A lot of uh, younger people are the ones that are asking me to be their spiritual director because they look at me as like, oh, I need like an older, wiser, whatever. But mm -hmm. it's because it's so exciting that they're starting it way, way sooner. Mm -hmm. I was in my mid, you know, mid forties when I was starting to ask that question or Same. maybe early forties when I was like, Hey, this isn't working for me. Wait anymore. a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm you not know? sure I like this person that I am because right. I feel like it really is me. Right. Yeah. And I think we're very different. We say we are not therapists because therapy tends to be the, helping you to kind of function in your day-to-day -day world and right. helping you like unpack all the past. And you do need to do that some in spiritual direction, but we're really concentrating on moving from external authority to internal authority. Oh, I love that. If yeah. I can sum that up, it's like, hmm, what do you have to say to yourself? Hmm. Not, hey, what did my pastor tell me? What did that book tell me? And it is obviously our reaction to our lived experiences. So other people have great influence on us. Our, um, you know, our lived experience has great influence on, but it's our response to that. Hmm. You know, it's our, hey, I like this. I don't like this. I mean, can I tell you a scary thing? Like a, Jeez, a thing yes. I never would have done that I did. I, I'll take, say two things I've done in my um, awakening, evolving spiritual journey. And they are <laughs> um, two things I never would have been had permission to do was I read the book, You Are Here by Thich Nhat Hanh, who's a Buddhist, a Zen Buddhist. <laughs> and I... Um, just kind of a scary thing, like, oh my gosh, let me go see. But I found my tendency toward looking to the outer, like maybe Buddha, maybe it's Buddhism, um, is the answer. I found my, that was maybe my tendency in opening the book. But as I was going through it, my new kind of self said, I like some of this, mm. but you know what? Your whole disembodiment thing, that it doesn't sit well with I'm what I'm learning right now about needing to be embodied, mm, right? So I yes. like a lot of what you were saying. I can now sit down with my cup of tea undistracted and drink it with my whole self, be fully engaged in the process, be present, right? You are here. But yeah, mm, your disembodiment stuff, that's not for me. Right. And that's okay. And that's okay. And then the second thing I did just this weekend and my intensive was we had somebody, this is going to sound like so fun and creepy and weird, um, <laughs> explain that he uses tarot cards uh -huh. in his spiritual direction practice. So he gave his whole presentation and it was great and whatever. And something in me, I raised my hand, it was Q&A, and I don't usually do this, but I raised my hand at the end and I said, so can you help me unpack how that's not moving from one form of external authority mm. to another form of external authority? Mm. And he actually said, really good question. Can I talk to you about that at dinner? Oh, wow. Because he had never really thought of that in his practice. Like he was like, oh, what do I need to do to unpack that with my people? Because probably a lot of people are going to come to me right? They weren't and the magic eight ball. looking for magic answers, right? <laughs> yeah. The magic eight ball. And you know what cracked me up? I thought to myself, oh, this used to be so dark and scary. And now, and then I realized how I did that when I was growing up in the um, more high control religion is I would open my Bible and be like, what first? Oh my gosh. And I would too. like open it and like point and hope like there was some, <laughs> and I, my husband and I would actually say to each other, we can't make this decision until we have a verse. Oh my, yeah. I mean, so it was this, it's the same thing, yet we vilify tarot cards. Yeah. And we vilify anything like, ooh, dreams. Oh, those are so scary. <laughs> yet uh, they have a lot of information for us. So I did kind of unpack it with him just a little bit at dinner, but then I did unpack it with another person who's going through the program with me. And she was like, hey, you get to do whatever you want with the tarot deck. If it's for, coming from inside of you, who yeah. cares? Yeah. How beautiful. Because obviously the tarot deck, as I've learned now, is all about archetypes and those calling to us. And which ones do we, um, you know, which ones are calling to us, either good or bad, some that rub us the wrong way, some that maybe we relate to. So 
it was so beautiful. But I was like, I get to question everything. <laughs> Isn't that the most fun part about where you're at spiritually? Yeah. It's just that beautiful, open, genuine curiosity yeah. about everything and not fear. Because I, I, I don't know, I would actually, Esther, if you don't mind sharing a little bit of your background, because we would love to hear people's journeys here and how you got from A to B or A to Z, wherever you're at in the alphabet. <laughs> A to a letter that I just yeah. found out was in the English alphabet for my six-year-old grandson the other day, ampersand, ampersand, was actually part of the alphabet. There were 27 letters. So I say A to ampersand, which is and what's it. next. I just came up with that Ooh, this week. <laughs> I love that. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. They took it out because it didn't make a sound, but I was like, ah. So I was eight years, years old when I learned that ampersand a was a letter of the alphabet. That's so cool. Your grandson taught you that. Yeah, uh, he you? found that out in kindergarten. That funny. <laughs> I love that. Brilliant. So just a silly thing that that's no, why no, you keep that's growing, great. right? So where did you? How? When did your journey start spiritually? When? How old? Yeah, were you? I mean, I'll just give a really brief history okay. to wrap up because you know it's like mm -hmm. is I was I'm a missionary kid grew up overseas in uh, war-torn Ethiopia so I was a young kid in the middle of a war okay. and my parents were missionaries their our job was to keep people out of hell I took that on with all the gusto in my little self and became I was told I had the gift of evangelism mm -hmm. I uh, in my teens I mean I'm telling you I got 40 people saved. We made a whole club. I made this youth group explode. I was, I just loved telling people that they were going to hell and that mm -hmm. I knew the way out of that. And so I uh, just took that on with all the gusto that anybody could ever take on that continued into my twenties. Um, I did this at work. I ended up with a Bible study with all these newly saved people, Oh my goodness. It was, it just was, um, my mission in life, but I will say as I've unpacked that it was all driven by fear. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. My little girl self was so afraid of people going yeah. to hell. Well, of me going to hell <laughs> and then other people going to hell, all that stuff. I was in war. It makes a lot of sense. Oh and, yeah. And not, there was just fear that swirled around all the time. But if mm -hmm. I could control this one thing, mm -hmm. keeping myself out of hell and then keeping others out of hell, but then you realize as you're older, you can't keep others out of hell. They have to make their own choice. It, so it gets fuzzy, but that was sort of my mission. It was my main mission as I had kids. Mm -hmm. Um, I, my saddest story I ever tell is my eight and it's funny, but it's sad. My eight-year-old daughter uh, holding her brother down her four-year-old brother in the backseat of our car uh, saying, you have to say the prayer. Yeah. You have to say the prayer. And she was afraid herself. Hmm. And there got to a place, I think, um, with my kids um, that I Fat figured out that I loved my theology more than I loved my kids. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't believe it. Like, and actually what really was deeper inside of me was I loved my kids mm -hmm. more than I loved my theology. My love of my children overcame my fear of eternal conscious torment. Mm -hmm. uh, so love in the end wins. Yeah. Love is greater than fear. Yeah. I mean, that is just the message that I would say. So uh, at the time I was reading a book, um, my kids were teenagers, they were pushing back. It was so fun. They were just saying things like, I think the people in the Bible that heard God's voice, what, uh, those are called like schizophrenics, like, so, <laughs> so things like that. I, you know, and then I started to say like, what do I have to learn from them? Right. Um, instead of what, you know, what do I have to teach them? And so they just, it was great. It was like a big flip. I was reading a book called uh, The Next Right Thing by Emily P. Freeman, who is really been my spiritual director. She's an author. She is a spiritual director herself, but I didn't know what those words were back then. Um, and she um, had a chapter said, am I being pushed by fear or led by love? Mm. And I started to ask myself that every day. Mm. about every single thing parenting my faith and to be honest with you the help thing came to the forefront mm -hmm. and I only could say I was being pushed by fear 
So I, a friend and also a friend of mine at the time, a pastor at our church who is had to leave that church <laughs> said, uh, why do you love hell so much? Like just little things, right? All the time. But yeah. I would say that hell, that idea of eternal conscious torment is an overarching theme of being pushed by fear. Right. It plays sure. out in a million ways in our lives. We are afraid of everything, right? So that would be like the biggest one, but I was afraid of my kids doing the wrong thing, smoking pot, having sex before marriage, um, you know, not going to church, like leaving church. It plays out everywhere if you're being, if the root of your essence is fear-based, right? And Instead you don't of, even realize that's what it is. No, that's you don't. That's the funny thing. You think, oh no, this is not fear. This is compassion. This is love. It's like yes. twisted around into yeah. some form of love that it's not. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's so, so it's like disarming. I'm doing this. I'm, oh, and this makes me so sad. I'm spanking my kids for their own good out of yeah. a loving place. I'm telling them that Jesus died on the cross for their sins when they're three and putting those images in front of them. Totally yeah. developmentally, mentally inappropriate because I love them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's so weird how fear and love can be so intertwined. And now I've come to learn that you can't have love and fear at the same time. I mean, like they're yeah, almost one or the other because what happens when you fear is you try to control everything and control everybody, including yourself, your family, your people, everybody that you do love, I think underneath it all. And so I've learned, and that's my big thing on my mom's a big page is we don't control our kids. We companion them. Yeah. You know, yeah. we don't control love and control are opposites, but control. And that, and then that's the whole, like, how do we view God? Is he in control? I mean, it's so many. I hear, yeah, I hear so many people that have been coming up against me on my social media, you know, cause I've been talking about, listen, there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. fear God right. is love. Okay. Right. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Right. Love, you know, is patient and kind and all the things. So like, why are we saying that he's throwing people into hell? Like, why are we doing this? So I'm saying these things and people are like, oh, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. wisdom. I'm like, and I'm just like, yeah. um, but you're taking that word fear. Like, is that really the word that was used when this mm -hmm. scripture was written? It's more, you know, reverence. It's, it's different than what you're saying. And, but like, it's actually be, leaning into mystery, that word. Right. Yeah. It's actually the more like, ah, uh, mis mystery, mystical. It's not, not fear. All the it's not human fear. It's not, right. it's not, we just, yeah. we put God in our own image. So we're fine. If we're yeah. riddled by fear and we want people to fear us, then yeah, we'll just long, you know, we'll that throw that word in there and throw that make right think that's God. what it means. Create well, God in also, our own image. <laughs> I've had people say to me, well, you can't take away the justice of God. Right. You're, you're just focusing. And I'm like, why are you so pumped up about this? Like, did Jesus say it's finished or not? Like, I'm just, just like, asking, you know what I mean? Cause like, I have a feeling that God's justice was satisfied if that's what needed to happen. You know what I mean? Like, why are we so obsessed with making yeah. God into this angry, irritated, ready to throw us into hell the second we mess up? Like, that is horrifying to think right. that the creator of the, he would create us intentionally to be fallen and disgusting and right. then give us an option. But you can believe this and say it out loud and say a prayer and, and then boom, magically you're going to go to heaven. Like, yeah, I've thought a lot about that justice piece because I am an eight on the Enneagram. And so I am a justice warrior. That's yes. my most healed self is a justice warrior. And I do think that some of my um, desire and love for hell, <laughs> I'm just going to say it outright, or mm -hmm. was born out of that a beautiful place inside of me that I do want um, rights to be made. I mean, wrongs to be made, right? Yes. We and all I do. want those who have suffered victims to be, um, vindicated. Mm -hmm. So that, that is the beautiful side of it. It's kind of like someone's really suffering or someone's done something really wrong to them. And you want that person to be either vindicated or healed or the wrongs to be made right. But what I've found as I've done, you know, uh, I've really gone on my own personal journey to what does that really mean as a justice warrior? And my daughter, she's so cute. She has said to me, I've seen you, mom, turn from 
a retributive God to a restorative God turn, mm -hmm. which true justice. And if you really look at the word justice, if you unpack the word justice encompasses the Hebrew idea of shalom mm -hmm. and shalom is not the absence of conflict. It's not any of those things. It's not just peace, like, hey, peace out. Everybody feels really happy and good. It is true flourishing for all, which is victim and perpetrator. Mm -hmm. And that is actually driven into the, uh, the Jewish tradition. They don't have hell. The mm -hmm. entire Old Testament, there was no about speaking yeah. about hell. Right. Yeah, so why is it such a thing in the New Testament, like well, all of a sudden? Yeah, I mean, I, translated. I, think, <laughs> I think just like some of the Old Testament writers got it wrong because they were on their own journey in some ways and got it right in some ways, they're humans. I'm going to yeah. say things on this podcast that are wrong, and I'm going to say yeah. things that are right or good or whole or whatever. I'm going to say things that are damaging. I'm, I'm trying not to, right? but that's just the human journey. And so when I really lean into that idea of shalom and justice where it's true flourishing for all that feels really good inside of me. I think the media has been helpful in portraying that like breaking bad, like Walter White, listen to his story, figure out what the heck happened to him to get him to this place. You know, like I have a friend whose son who's grown up to be a pedophile. Yeah. You know, like that's just what's true. And it's not okay. And he was sexually abused as a kid. And he's not okay. Mm -hmm. And he's in jail. And no one, including all Christians, will go visit him. And he's hated by the murderers in prison. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's yeah, there's like levels by, of like sin. Levels. Yeah. We just have we're just leveling it out so we don't feel that bad about ourselves. Mm -hmm. But you know what? It's just so I guess I just feel like, oh my gosh. I have no idea what people's stories are and I have no idea the generational trauma that's come down to them and why this made them. And do they need, uh, do we need to put boundaries around these people for our own sake? I mean, like we yeah. need, there needs to be really major boundaries put in place for our own protection. Right. I'm really big into that, but would I want those it. people to be healed here and now? Absolutely. Because yeah. then their stories are even more powerful. Would I want love to be able to reach into the depths of their soul now, currently? Yes. And we've seen stories like that. There's scriptural stories like that. Paul yeah. being a big one. Sure. Yeah, true. True flourishing for all people, both victim and perpetrator, gives me the ability to have grace for my perpetrator former self. The amount oh, of yeah. damage I did. Right. In my former, beautifully tender, wonderful, unhealed self, and I'm still doing it and I'm still not there. I don't, the journey's not finished, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, if I don't have that, then I can't have true for, I mean, I'm going to cry. I, if I can't do that for myself, how can I do that for anybody else? And if I don't have grace for myself, how do I have grace for anybody else? For my kids, for the people I come in contact with, if I can't hold, and this comes another beautiful thing that came from my uh, my oldest, like be tender with your former self, as mm -hmm. harmful and as horrible as you were, mm -hmm. like be tender with those parts of you, because guess what? You are the victim and the perpetrator. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hear my old judgmental self coming into my new brain all the time. Same. Yeah. I mean, it's That's just true. not it's like crazy. Bye. Oh, she's, yeah. I actually did a little cute Instagram reel today on our deconstructing mamas of like, it was like, what kind of nonsense are you? It was like some audio. It's like, what kind of nonsense? And are you saying over and over and over again? And I wrote at the top of it, my, me listening to my former, my former self talking, I mean, it's like, what are you even saying? It's, you know, it's like harmful yeah. and, and terrible. And yet I still live under her judgment at times mm -hmm. and fear. And so the only thing I can do is hold her with love, tenderness, and compassion. 
I'm totally with you in this. We just yeah. talked about this yesterday. We recorded an episode together called the apology tour. And we talked about, you know, how our old selves, but, you know, I think we, we started off thinking it was going to be funny and we were going to be like talking about how funny it was that we used to do things. And then we realized this is, we need to show ourselves some grace. We need to be kind to, I called it little Leslie and little Karen, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. baby Karen, baby Leslie, because we really just were doing the best we could with what we knew. And we were so afraid. And when somebody's afraid, like fear is a huge motivator. It'll yeah. make you do things that, especially desperation, yes. desperation and fear are the most dangerous motivators. And as a mother wanting to save her children, I did the best I could. I yeah. thought they were going to hell. And my gosh, if you think your kids are going to hell, you will do whatever it takes to get them out of there. I and really like that word. Yeah. The desperation. Yeah. That's what it is. It's, and then of course it's funny. You, you fit right here. I mean, Esther, good grief. Everything <laughs> you've just said, I'm like, yep. Mm-hmm, sure. mm-hmm. And yep. so was Karen. We both are just, we were so motivated by fear and, and oh, like yeah. wanting to save the world and having that like desire, like, okay, if this is reality, if there is a hell, let's do everything we can. Let's give our entire lives to making yes. sure nobody goes there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that was, I mean, if you do believe in hell, uh, you yeah. need to be doing that. I yeah, mean, exactly. Like, I always why aren't you? like, why are you, yeah. why is anybody just going to work? I'm like, oh my goodness. I, I, oh my, I mean, like, uh, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it makes sense to me why there's the people standing on the street corner. Yeah. And have given up their whole lives because they actually Repent. probably are living in more integrity than the people who are just like going to work, you know, like yeah, afraid know, to talk that, about their faith because they right, don't want people like, to think they're silly. Right, right. The yeah. desperateness of that is huge. If you like, really believe it, if you really believe it, you will not keep your mouth shut. And that's I think I think the three of us, we really believed it. Yeah. We really believed it. And there was a time. Uh, in my in my journey where four young children at the time and my husband and we were going hard after God and college ministry and doing all the things and I was desperate for God and I struggled with anxiety and depression. I am going to cry <laughs> just thinking about the struggle was so real with me and just begging God continually to take it away. Uh, and asking myself over and over, what is wrong with me? Like, what is wrong with me? And then just believing when people would say, well, of course, of course, you're a sinner. Everything is wrong with you. You're evil Mm -hmm. to the core, (laughs) you know? So, oh, oh, okay. So that's what's wrong with me. Um, But I was one of those people who took it seriously. And I remember we were in a, a church that was a church plant of Francis Chan. So it was his worship pastor who was leading us in Columbus. And so we were serious about God. You know, there was no lukewarm and loving it. We were serious. (laughs) And and I was the most serious. Mm -hmm. And of our whole group of all the leader, like I just was so intense. And we lived in Columbus, Ohio State was our school, the Ohio State we're watching, and they would want to watch a football game on Saturday. And I would be like, what in the hell are we doing? Like, we cannot watch this football game. And I remember Francis had a, he talked on a, he did a sermon and he talked about his mom, his grandma, I think. And that she was sitting at his daughter's uh, play or whatever. And it was intermission and she's crying. And and Francis said, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she said, I just don't understand why I'm sitting here and the Lord could return any minute. And I'm not out telling people about Jesus. Like, what am I doing watching this play? And that became like my life. Like, I was like, what are we doing? We need to be telling people like, if this is, if this is real, like, what are we doing? And I would say that all the time. And since things have changed and the deconstruction and the journey and all of that right now, my Detroit lions who haven't won in 30 years. I'm cheering. I'm cheering. I'm cheering. I'm an NFL. 
I'm an NFL. That's what makes my heart come alive. Sitting on Sundays watching the NFL. Sorry. Oh, I'm, I'm so in right now. I am so in. I am so in, and nobody in my family can believe it. I like. I wake up and I watch Good Morning Football, and I, I just. I'm okay, so this is where we're different, ladies. I hate football. I it's hate okay. It. You're allowed to be you. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. But my lions. Yeah. And I and but I there's this whole thing inside of me still that is like mm-hmm. I can still feel that angst of should I mm-hmm. actually be doing this? Am I wasting my life? John Piper might say that I'm wasting my yeah. life right now, you know, like just mm-hmm. trying to find joy in the simple things. And my right. husband's like great with it. He's like, oh, you're here. Yeah, you're, you're here. Al- yeah, you're. You actually get to here. live on human life. Imagine that we were given our lives to actually live them. Imagine that. Imagine uh, it. One of the things I was thinking as you were talking, Karen, because of course I I picture myself in that snaring, being like, what am I doing here? Um, I should be preaching. Um, yeah. And I've is sort of as I call it, or as I've been told, the slippery slope that leads to destruction. It's yeah. now this water slide that leads to life. I'm like, oh my <laughs> God, I'm on the water slide that leads to life and joy. And I just dove off the deep end. And guess what? Underneath it all, there's all these creatures I never even knew existed. Yeah. And there's beauty and wonder. And oh. But on this other side, on this water side where I feel free and there's life and it's hard at the same time, right? Sure. Yes. Yes. It's hard fought. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of people who want and a lot of systems, not even people that want to keep us in, not in check and in chains yes. and in, in chains and check and whatever. But I, I think like it's so incredible to me that I get to know people hear their, like, just know them, like be with them, accompany them, uh, have no agenda for them. I get to just experience my, my husband, my children, my Jewish neighbor, um, the Muslim guy who is pumping my gas. I I get to hear their people's actually lived stories without some crazy agenda of I need to get them to church. I need to get them. I need to change their mind. Change them. I need, it's so, and that, isn't that what unconditional love is? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like God unconditionally loves us, but. Yeah. But you need to believe this way. You need to check this box. You can't look at that journey because that might take you down the wrong path, you know, and. I'm learning that with every journey that we are experiencing on this podcast, it is, it's like, you're taking us down a path and I'm picking some flowers because you told me I could, and then I'm going to put them in a vase and I'm going to take them with me back on my path. Whereas I think before I was like, if I go down that path and I listen to her story, she's going to influence me off of my path and maybe even push me off the mountain. Right. No. And it's not true. Like, let me learn from you because there are things just like with the Buddhist thing, you said, I, you know, I didn't really like this part, but man, I like that part. You pick some flowers, Esther, you put them in your pocket. You were like, I'm going to take this with me. This is beautiful. But then you left what you didn't want. And then guess what you did? You got back on Esther's path. And and there's nothing wrong with this. This is, this is what I believe God had intended for us all along. Yeah. And religion has said, stay on your path. Just look for heaven. Don't look around. Right. Don't enjoy the view. You just got to focus on heaven. I uh, would love to hear Esther. I would love to hear you mentor little me uh, <laughs> and just spiritually come alongside, companion me for just a minute and just ooh, yeah. help me. Uh, it's January in Indiana, so it's not pretty. And I, there's, there's no, I mean, it's been raining for a week, cold rain. You can't even get out and walk in it. Right. And so the anxiety and depression that I have dealt with, and, and that's what led me to your podcast in the first place years ago was just hearing Liz's story. I think through her dad, I heard, I I think, and going, okay, I, I understand this. I understand anxiety and depression and we go around this, we go around this bin. Um, Leslie helps me. She talks me through some things, but I would love it if you would help me when you say 
you're going to listen to this person and say, I'm going to take this and I'm not going to take this. Growing up the way I grew up, same as you in the Christian world, leading people, trying to lead. I was a little evangelist telling kids, you know, you don't want to get left here. You don't want to get left behind. You don't want to get your head chopped off. Oh, yeah, the rapture. Oh, my gosh. All the things. That was my big, that was my big thing that I would, that's how I led people to the Lord at age nine. Yes. But um, I would always then go with, well, this person, John Piper said this, so it Mm. must be true. Francis Mm. Chan said this. Louis Giglio said this. I was always, and people would say that, oh, you, you heard that in a sermon, did you? Like, you should go to the word and Mm. all the things. But I, then the pastors would say, you can't trust yourself. Mm. You trust me. Your heart is wicked. So any, you know, you can't, you don't trust yourself. And I would get so confused because I'd be like, so I can trust you, even though your heart's probably wicked too. Like, you, oh yeah, I, you know, I don't get it, but I learned not to trust myself. Yeah. Very much so. You can't trust my, I don't. and so teach me. Oh, I'm, I mean, 19 minutes, Esther, teach me how to trust myself as a big grandma. Winter, I mean, I I am going on a journey about rewilding my soul. So I'm embracing the season stuff. So I actually am this crazy person now that has, um, because I had seasonal affective just to deal with that seasonal affective disorder. And I told myself all kinds of things like winter is bad. There's a whole big giant thing. Uh, that you can dive into if anybody out there wants to dive into it uh, just about our uh, it's called solar spirituality. God is light. God is um, darkness is bad. Wintering is the awful. Everywhere we just get that constant. And so I've gone on a personal journey of trying to embrace the seasons and what they have to teach us. I actually, my Life's work is going to be called, is a book called The Gifts of the Darkness. So that's going to be a long time coming. And it's really diving into what is now called like lunar spirituality, which is what do we learn in the dark? But anyhow, that's just an aside. That's a whole other podcast. I love it. I, love it. I could go on and on and on. But um, I would say that the trusting yourself piece does come out of that mm-hmm. because we've been told that our hearts are are dark yes and our hearts are wicked and mm-hmm. darkness cannot be trusted right it's right. everywhere i mean it's not just in spirituality darkness cannot be trusted and our hearts are dark they're right. deceitful it's just a weird like thing that has been come out of scripture about this desperately wicked thing And I would say um, a book that really helped me on that front is a book called Original Blessing by my spiritual director, whose name is Danielle Schroyer. And she says, why are we going to Genesis 3 and not going to Genesis 1? Right. Right? Where we are created good, where everything is good, everything God made is good. Why do we have the focus on Uh, Genesis 3. And I will just say this. I think it was ancient peoples trying to make sense of their world. They were living in a world where people were killing people and, you know, very tribal and all that. They're just trying to make sense of it. And they're saying like, well, how do we explain this other than that there was some like big crazy thing? God made us good, but then there was this thing that happened and we got really bad. And now that's where we are all the time. Like, and and that's who we are at our core because they didn't necessarily have the information that they needed at the time to see the goodness of humanity mm-hmm. or whatever. I don't, I don't yeah. quite know. They probably did have both, but I just think like, if we really just want to go straight to the Bible, whoever's listening and you still love the Bible and I love the Bible. I mean, I, yeah. me too. I know sure. way too much of the Bible. Um, I, I mean, I, because it was my idol for so long, I, yep. you know, but anyhow, uh, if we go just there, like start with what actually happened. Instead of what we, you know, start with what happened at the very, very beginning. And like that goes back to before the world told you who to be. What yeah. did God say? What do you, what, what is true about you? 
What's your deepest inner self? Is it good or is it bad? And if it's good, and if it's ima the image bearer of God, yeah. which that is just also baffling to me now that I'm on the other side, why can't you trust it? If you're the image bearer of God, why can't you trust yourself? Now, the truth is there are times I trust my, I have to say, I can trust my most healed self. Yeah. But I don't necessarily how it plays out. If I'm in an anxiety loop, it's not really time for me to trust the anxious unhealed self. Right. So that's yeah. where it's like, it's not, yeah. and it's not like I trust myself at the expense of everybody else. That's yeah. like, you know, it's kind of like, oh, but it just puts ourselves in a different place of, I, I have to almost swing, like do that pendulum swing of, I was never allowed to trust anything. So right. maybe I can just dive into like, actually, trust myself on that you know like we take yeah. baby steps baby because, steps um my heck you know like and i think the whole body thing comes in and we aren't listening to i mean I, it's so such a big subject mm -hmm. well like oh i'm hungry wow i don't have to deprive myself i'm not a glutton i'm hungry yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, i'm, I'm human pervert pervert i'm yeah sexual right. not a, you know like yeah. just, just those little just those little switches right just those little tiny things of that. like i'm not a wicked terrible person because i have needs right. i'm human it's like oh you know just like that like little tiny voices it's like i just need to listen to myself that's the first step to trust so yourself good. I need to listen yeah. to myself every morning. I'll tell you the two differences. Every morning in my old self, I would uh -huh. wake up and say, what is wrong with you? That's, mm -hmm. yep. Yep. In this new way of thinking, I get up every morning and I say to myself, what do you need? Ooh. Yowza. Why does it make and you me know what? Right? It's just oh. different. And there might be something wrong with me. Maybe I didn't get enough sleep. Maybe I, there sure. could be something, but it's not like just picture yourself bending down to your seven year old self or your child. Right? Let's just take ourselves, our seven year old selves. And it's that principal's office voice of, what is wrong with you? Instead of that tendering, nurturing heart of God that takes that little child into his lap or her lap, her lap, let's yes. just say it. I love that. I love that I can think that now. Nurturing, mothering heart of God that says, honey, what's wrong? What do you need? Yeah. Two what's wrong? vastly different views of ourselves yeah. and God. Not what what's is wrong. But well, what's what wrong? is wrong? Is, is even better than what is wrong with me. Right. Those are two different, they're actually, they're two different things too. And the tone of voice in your head. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, my voice. Oh, oh the voice in I'm your head. Such a bitch to myself. Yeah. And, and it's not out. your fault. I mean, it's been, your brain has been wired for yeah, so babe. long. So with long. The, what is freaking oh. wrong with you? Yeah. I mean, like everybody said it everywhere all the time my friend jokes she's so funny when I was first deconstructing she was and I was just starting to ask questions and she was way further on she would go every sermon you go in there just, just these three things it's going to be for every sermon God is good you're not stop it yeah <laughs> yes. stop it mm -hmm. and that is oh. the come up of what is wrong with you do you yeah. know God is so good to you what is wrong with you and now stop it. And you're just like, how do I stop? <laughs> how uh, do I, st I can't yeah. stop. I'm, I can't do I'm anything praying. more. I, All I'm I do praying. is try to save people from hell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time for myself. I'm yeah, worried about everybody else. So those yeah. are just, those are, that would be what I would say to a person in my spiritual director practice. I would be like, mm. hey, tell me the voice that's in your head. Yeah. Tell mm. me that voice. And you said to me, and I listened to you when you were saying, you were like, what is wrong with me? I can't stop. 
And then I would say, what if you would say to yourself the next time, what do you need? What would that that. voice? So then it's all, it's the, it's us discovering within ourselves, right? It's asking ourselves. It's not, it's, it's a crazy external versus internal shift. Yeah. And I love what you said, trust your most healed self. Yeah, like, trust there's a difference. Self. Like, is that is that my healed self speaking, or is that my, yeah, you know, right. the, the places that still need healing? Right, and if it's fear, it's not your to go right. all the way back yeah. to the fear thing. If it's if it's based in fear, if you're being pushed by fear, it's your unhealed self. Mm-hmm. That's a very easy thing for me, anyway. Yeah. To do if it's well, your anxious, fearful treadmill yeah Yeah. fix it like controlling self but if it's a love if the voice is feels like a loving place and it's i don't know that's your more healed self well and don't be so hard on your unhealed self either no right oh that's good too you are you are very mad all the time at that scared karen you're always mad that she's scared yeah. And, and that, you know what you, she doesn't know any different. Remember yeah, we no. went through a um, exercise yesterday where, you know, on the podcast that was last week, um, we talked about how, if you come at a situation that was painful and hurtful to you, I mean, and maybe it's even something you've said to yourself, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you say, okay, this is this perspective from me. When I thought this to myself, I, felt this way. And this is how it made me feel. And these are the emotions that came up, but then you stop and you tell it from the perspective of the voice. Well, I did that because I wanted to protect you and I wanted to, Mm -hmm. and I'm scared for you. And then when you start to understand that perspective is everything, of -hmm. course, that voice is doing that. I get why you're upset now, now sit down and be quiet for a minute because I want to tell you why we don't have to be afraid anymore, you know, and having these, I know it sounds weird, but having yep. these conversations with those voices that were literally put into your mind yep. by someone else, yep. you know, having these conversations is not crazy. It is right. called taking your, it is taking your power back. Yeah. And I think as women, we need to learn to do that more, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you say that one example that came up to me this past weekend on my intensive was we do dream work and it's very different than you would, than it, I can't even, I'm not going to describe it. Cause I can't, <laughs> but one of the things you do in dream work is you become an object in your dream or something in your dream. And you, and you ask seven magic questions. And one of the, one of the questions is I really like this object because it has done because, because of X and the object I picked in the dream was a lie. Okay. Something that I've been told all my life was terrible, right? I was a little lying little kid all the time. Cause I was scared out of my mind, right? Just yeah. lied all the time. I brought that everywhere with me. Um, And when I became the lie, when I said, oh, you have to say, I am the lie. And then you have to say, the reason I'm glad I'm the lie, that's what it was. Oh, and I said, the reason I'm glad I'm the lie um, is because I'm protecting myself. Yeah. And then you go into the reason I'm not glad I'm not. It's other things. But I thought, what a different framing instead of what is wrong with you, you liar, you. mm." And, And then it's like, what did you need? What do you need that you have to lie? Oh, well, I don't feel safe. You know, I don't feel held. I'm scared you're going to be mad at me. I'm scared you're going to leave. I don't, you know, that's, that's what that does, right? That's that you said, Leslie, that inner dialogue we have with our new self, our old self, our baby, our child self, our, all those things. There's so many selves in there. Let's all be real. (laughs) It's so great. It's like, yes. That's just one little example to me that, of what you're saying. It's like, wow, that wasn't evil. It was necessary. And this is why. And this is what, and, and do you need it anymore? Like you said, Leslie, I don't need that anymore. I'm safe. I'm not abandoning you, you little girl. I'm not. I'm here. Your heart was in the right place. You were trying to protect us. And I get that. Yeah. I have a counselor that does internal family systems. Oh, yeah, me. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I'm, it's a boardroom and, and there's, you yeah, know, yeah. healed Karen speaking to all the little Karens or whatever. And she, at one point she's like, cause I definitely have a Karen that I need, like you're, t- like you're saying, and I wrote it down that I need to just say, what, what do you need? 
Like I understand that you're trying to protect because I have health anxiety. So every little thing that comes up on my face, on my anything, I'm dying. And right oh, now, no, Karen, you and I need to have a conversation after uh, about that. <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> really? I'm just saying solidarity, babe. No, okay. listen, I've told okay. her that too. I'm like, girl, same thing. But yeah, and, and but- we were talking earlier and it's like, God, I believe God gives us grace for the moment. I do believe that because I've seen it in my life, you know, but like, he doesn't give us grace for like what we imagine to happen. And so I told her, I said, when you get to that point where you're like, oh, I feel anxious about that. It's because you're not actually, it's not really happening. Cause when something does happen, it's, it's, a, it's like a miracle. Like you feel like I can do this because you yeah. don't have a choice. But if you're feeling like, oh, this, and you're making these things up in your imagination, God, isn't the God of the imagination we are. And so when we are the God of our imagination, <laughs> we're going to go in all kinds of places in our mind. Whereas if we just say, if this was happening, I would have grace. So clearly it's not, I'm going to choose not to go there, you know, but which figuring is now figuring out that I have grace yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. So being able to little Karen, little anxious, anxiety, Karen, oh. being able, like, and my, what I was going to say was my counselor was like, you need to tell that little Karen she needs a nap. Like you go it ahead. I love you. Go You're take tired. a nap. You need we to got this. Nap. We're okay. We don't need and, to go to the doctor today. And go someone's going to take care of you. And someone is taking going and someone is going to take care of you. Oh, that is okay. When you need it, you will have what you need. Someone yeah, is going to take care of yeah, you and not that. dismiss you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, uh, yep. <laughs> I honestly think it's the age, ladies, because we are now at midlife. We've got, you know, maybe some of us have ailing parents. We are losing friends. We have seen a little more as we get older. And I think the the truth is, I think mor- mortality is a little more um, of, of something that we're thinking of. That's a very, I think, normal yeah. thing. I think, I, I and I think that, that's, yeah. that's why we're there. We're just, we just don't want that. Plus, you know what, girls, think about it. We just learned how to live. Yeah, true. And we don't want to lose this yet. We're not ready to die. Yeah, I have like a little different take. I actually have way less fear now that I'm older. Yeah. I have actually had that so much when I was in my 30s raising my kids. Mm, About the fear of dying and everything. Sure. And I just said to my husband, I did a, um, I did a, um, and we're going to run out of time here, but I, um, I actually did a uh, visualization this last weekend of, of my deathbed. And it was mm-hmm. the best thing that ever, I've ever done in relationship with this issue I have with my health anxiety. It was the talk about peace that passes understanding way more than I ever got in any other kind of circle. It was absolutely stunningly beautiful. It was okay. so, inc- but I wouldn't have been able to do that 20 years ago. Um, in the throes of my physical body, just being completely out of control with anxiety. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. I know we're running out of time, but Esther, please elaborate just a little bit. What did that look like? I'm sorry. Uh, We're going to go a little over today because we love this conversation. Are you sure? Oh, I'm Well, and just Karen, I think like one of the things I uh, have discovered, well, the first thing about even just having that phobic fear of death, I mean, I just had, you know, just taking care of my body. I, I, um, just the whole, like, what do you need was a big thing, but this weekend, and I wouldn't have been ready for it. And I, I watched some younger friends of mine who are really in the throes of parenting and struggling with their health anxiety and like phobic, I'm talking phobic. Like I can't go to the doctor. I can't get a mammogram. I mean, I'm going to the mammogram and I can't even handle it because what is it going to tell me? And blah, 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 all those things, whatever. Yep. And um, so it was a death doula at our spiritual direction practice. This is why everyone should be a spiritual director because the stuff you get to learn is crazy. Um, She is a a hospice worker. She's a medical professional. So she's a doctor. She's a physician that left the medical world and now has opened up this death doula practice and she works with hospice. And basically they had us go into a, just picture, imagine our deathbed. Where are we? What are our smells? What are all those things? And the most powerful thing was who's with you. And I had my four kids. My husband was gone. Uh, he was not there. Um, but I was had my four kids 
they were each themselves um, a little bit older and they were, it was all the things about them. Um, my daughter had, she's a teacher slash florist and she had placed a floor, flowers right by my face. My youngest daughter was at my feet playing her guitar. They were all, and this was the most beautiful part about it. They were all them completely themselves in the dream, like the thing. So um, she was playing the guitar, but she had dabbed on her Vera Wang princess um, uh, that she had worn since she's 13, like that I still want to smell all the time when she's home. She had dabbed that on my neck so that I could smell that. And then my son, who's really an introvert and he's quiet, he was sitting at my other foot and he was looking at me, not speaking at all, which is so him. And just saying, I see you, mom. I see you. Like I could feel like he just would not take his gaze off my eyes. Like they were, I was locked with his eyes. And then my other, my oldest son, he's second born, was at my side and he's a physical touch. And he had told me when he was 20 that the greatest fear he had in his life was the day I died. And he was laying on me, laying on me, weeping. And I turned to him because he's my hardest kid, my kid that probably changed me for all the best way in all the best ways. And probably is the reason why I'm here talking about this. I said to him, you're going to be okay without me. You have you. And it was so beautiful. It was so moving. You're crying. I'm crying still. Sorry. It was so beautiful that I was like, I don't have to be afraid anymore. Yeah, I don't, I don't, even if my death is totally different from that, I have this imagining to hold me now. That's beautiful. Ooh. I have the imagining to hold space for me when I go to that freaking mammogram. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> because, so good. Because I mean it's inside of me. This has come from inside of me. This is what I want. This is my death. This is what I'm going to make happen. You know, like, I don't care if it's only, and if I'm all alone at the end of my journey in a room and my kids can't get there or they're missing. You still have that. I will still have that. That's beautiful. I will close my eyes and it'll be that way. And I, I will say that the biggest fear that I had in my 20s and 30s with my little kids was that I was going to be on my deathbed and yeah. and they were going to not have a mom. Yep. And I was going to have to say goodbye to them. And, yep. and so we, I'm not kidding you. I believe in God because what you're saying, we just had, we have a small group that meets that we have in people that are going to try to change our, like that will change our views on life. Like not try to talk us into it, but we want to hear it. And we just had in two hospice workers and they're actually, they listen to honoring the journey, Leslie. Mm -hmm. So they will hear this, but they're hospice workers. One's a chaplain and the other is a nurse. And they were talking about death doulas. And I just was like, and I told them that night, I said, you know, my parents both went through hospice. They both died in my house. I held both of their hands as they passed away eight years apart. And it was beautiful. And my kids were right there for them. And they were doing that. I had my son on a guitar. We were dancing. We were laughing. We And I, I held my parents' hands and walked them right, right into the arms of right. Jesus. Right? And I love that I could think through it for myself now. Like that, that is beautiful. What you just said and did was, is beautiful. Yeah. Right. Thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. And I think my, my favorite thing about it was, oh goodness, just to go back to the very beginning of the podcast and what we talked about is yeah. everybody in the room was themselves. I love that. Everybody got to be themselves and there was yeah. no agendas in the room. You know, like they were just themselves, fully themselves. And I was like, there's nothing I want more than that. For me, for Leslie, for Karen, for yeah. whoever, for my co-host Liz, for anybody who ever reads any of my stuff, there's nothing. And I actually believe in my soul of souls that there's nothing God wants more for us than that. Wow. Esther.
Can you come back again one time? Because we want you back. (laughs) We're going to be like, okay, it's Esther Day. Let's let's talk to Esther again. No, I just, uh, I just, it's so. I'm. I mean, it's so good to talk to you guys. Uh, I I love this. It's so interesting because I'm like you guys. I spend a lot of time with people 15, 20 years younger than me because of the journey that I feel so alone in. And it's so great. I'm, I mean, I feel so grateful, Mm. but uh, to be in a space where I feel very held and understood and, and that's what you guys are doing for your listeners. I mean, I don't know what to say. (laughs) It's so, it's like, I'm like, maybe I should change our podcast. No, I'm kidding. We're doing the good work. Yes, you are. <laughs> we're well, doing good. We're doing our, our part. We're being ourselves. So there we you are. Know. And I think that's that's the beauty of all of it. And I think there's just there's room for lots of people who are willing to do this and put themselves out there and connect with people and speak yeah. to the heart of the invisible, you know, like all yeah. there's just so much room for that. And you know, we're just a we're just a space for midlife mamas who are going through it, which is apparently there's a lot more than we realized because, you know, we're hearing from people now and they're like, I thought I was the only one. And I, I just remember reaching out to people when I was invisible and saying, I can't believe you just said what you said. I am not the only one. Are you kidding me? I'm not the only one feeling this way. And that's what it's about. But Esther, I know we've kept you way too long, but girl, we, we just want to say right now, like Karen and I, we honor your journey and we thank you so much for sharing your perspectives and your wisdom and your journey and all of it with us because this is going to be a conversation I'm not going to forget for a long time oh. and, and if I do I'm going to listen to it again <laughs> can't wait to hear it again yeah so thank you for joining us and thank you for joining us our sweet little listeners we have so enjoyed getting to know you on our on our Facebook page and, um, you know, please make sure you join it. And it's just a little community of people, private. We go on there like once a week and, you know, one or two people pop on with us right now. <laughs> and we just talk about life and answer questions. And and uh, so we would love to have you there. And also, if you want to just send us an email, it's honoringthejourneypodcast at gmail.com. And thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next week on Honoring the Journey. Mm-hmm.